Good morning and welcome to the first episode of the Past Lives podcast. For the next 15 minutes, I'll be your host and the topic we'll be covering today in the first introductory episode is reincarnation and what cultural and scientific evidence there is for its existence. No esoteric theme arouses perhaps as much unmitigated fear, unexplained anger or rejection of concrete facts, as well as curiosity, a blind faith as reincarnation. And for what reason? Well, Goethe, for example, said with noble simplicity that nothing is more astonishing to be born twice than to be born once. Of course, in a controversy on the subject of reincarnation, arguments can be put forward for and against, referring to the current view of modern science, which maintains that the processes of consciousness are nothing more than the biochemical processes of the physical body, therefore, in their perspective, the soul cannot exist without material support, as such, and what does not exist by itself cannot be reborn. We will not concern ourselves now with giving answers to such controversies. We prefer to open a door for new information on reincarnation. Uh, to do that, let's start with two examples from the scientific world. First one, Dr. Raymond Moody, on the basis of testimonies given by patients returned from clinical death, writes the book Life After Life, in which his findings in this direction are recorded. Dr. Raymond Moody's research proves that people who had reached the state of clinical death, meaning that all bodily functions had ceased, including that of the brain, leaving the body, looking down on events from above, were still able to perceive what was happening around them. Most of those who crossed the threshold of death felt no more pain, felt a deep peace and stillness, then accompanied by a hum, passed through a dark tunnel, at the end of which they saw various luminous phenomena, met deceased relatives and luminous entities, at whose behest they reviewed the deeds of the just ended life and their consequences. The very similar testimonies of several hundred people of different cults and cultural backgrounds were more than clear proof for many, that the soul continues to exist after the death of the body. Dr. Raymond Moody's pioneering work has been met, uh, especially in the specialist circles, with total disapproval. A second example in this direction would be Dr. Michael Sabom, um, which is a cardiology specialist in Atlanta, was among uh, the few who did not deny the possibility that the testimonies of people that returned from clinical death were based on real experiences. Contrary to initial skepticism, Dr. Sebom, after studying 116 cases over five years, concluded that after the death of the body, the soul retains consciousness. Dr. Sabam, learning from the bad experiences of his colleague Dr. Moody, proceeded with much greater caution and published the results in his meticulously documented research in the book Memories of Death which, however, did not have any resonance in scientific circles, despite the thoroughness with which it was documented. Let's now have a look at the statistical data available to us 
Uh, did you know, for example, that uh, UK polls showed that 49% of those surveyed believed in reincarnation? How about that uh, Gallup poll conducted in 1982 in the USA gave the most startling results showing that one in four Americans believe in rebirth? Maybe it would be more interesting if we take a look at an example from a real contemporary case. And I would like to tell you now a story about um, James Leninger. His story starts about six decades ago, when a 21-year-old U.S. Navy fighter pilot on a mission in the Pacific Ocean was shot down by the Japanese artillery. A few people, including those who knew the former fighter pilot, believe James is a reincarnation of the aviator. James' parents, Andrea and Bruce, a modern college-educated couple, say they were among those who would have least believed such a story would come into their lives. But in the meantime, they have become convinced that their son lived in a past life. From an early age, our James played with nothing but airplanes, his parents say. But around age two, airplanes began giving their beloved son nightmares that appeared regularly. When the mom, Andrea, asked her son what he dreamt about, he said, Plane on fire crashing. Little man can get out. Those were his words. James only watched children's shows on TV and his parents didn't watch documentaries about the World War II or anything related to military history. Andrea says her mother was the first person to suggest that James might have memories of a previous life. At first, she was um, incredulous about this possibility. But as time went on, Andrea didn't really know what to believe. In a video of James at age three, he can be seen circling an airplane as if doing a pre-flight check. On another occasion, his mother bought him a toy plane and showed him what looked like a bump underneath. James corrected her and told her it was an auxiliary fuel tank, a drop tank. I've never heard of such a tank, she said. I had no idea what an auxiliary tank was. Then James' violent nightmares worsened, occurring three or four times a week. The boy's grandmother suggested that the services of Carol Bowman, a counselor and therapist who had also studied reincarnation cases, should be looked for. With Bowman's help, the parents began encouraging James to share his memories and immediately, Andrea says, the nightmares came less often. James also became more coherent in telling stories about his apparent past. And Bowman says that James was at the age when past lives are easier to remember. He says um, in childhood, they don't yet have the cultural conditioning superimposed over life experience, so memories can surface more easily. Over the years, James has revealed extraordinary details about life as a former fighter pilot, especially before bedtime when he was sleepy. James told his parents that his plane was hit by the Japanese and crashed. James also told his father that he was flying a Corsair plane and told him they used to make flat tires all the time. Historians and pilots agree that the plane's tires were suffering on landing. But that's an easy thing to find out from books or TV. James also mentioned the name of the ship he took off from, Natoma, 
and the name of a fellow pilot, Jack Larson. After some research, Bruce discovered that both Natoma and Jack Larson were real names. Natoma Bay had been a small aircraft carrier that fought in the Pacific, and Larson lives in Arkansas today. The dad said, it was like my brain was leaking out of my ears. I just couldn't believe it. Bruce became truly obsessed in his internet research, scouting military records, interviewing people who served aboard the aircraft carrier Natoma Bay. James told him his plane had been shot down at Iwa Jima. He also told him that his plane was hit directly in the engine. Bruce quickly learned that the only pilot in the squadron killed at the Iowa Jima was James M. Houston, Jr. A gunner named Ralph Clarbor, who had flown on an American plane taking off from the aircraft carrier Natoma Bay, told him that his plane was right next to the one flown by James M. Houston, Jr. during a raid near Iowa Jima on March 3, 1945. Clarbor told Bruce that he saw Houston's plane hit by a salvo of anti-grab shells. It was hit in the front right in the middle of the engine. He confirmed. Bruce now believes his son had a previous life as James M. Houston Jr. He came back because he had something to finish. The Lenningers wrote a letter to Houston's sister, and Baron, about their little boy, and now she thinks the same thing. The child was very convincing, coming up with a lot of details he had no way of knowing, she said. James's vivid memories begin to fade as he grows older, but among his priceless possessions remain two items he received from his former sister, Baron. A bust of George Washington and a mini model of a Corsair aircraft. They were among James Houston's personal effects sent home after the war. James seems to have experienced something that I don't think is unique, but the way it was revealed is pretty amazing, said the father. Aside from this information, perhaps most interesting would be to talk directly in the next few episodes with people who have recalled one or more past lives. This will also be the main topic, actually, of our first season, in which we will invite and interview several people who have gone through these experiences to find out directly from them what they went through, what was their motivation for looking into the past, and, of course, what these experiences helped them with. So, next week, I invite you to a new episode of the Past Lives Podcast for an interview with our first guest, who will tell us directly from his experience. If you have any questions or comments about the topics discussed today, or if you'd like us to ask some specific questions to our future guests, please write me at pratiloma at protonmail.com. Until then, I wish you a serene week and let's hear each other next time. <laughs>